Good evening. Hello. A very warm welcome to St Mary's. Hope you've had. So the the reading is John chapter fourteen verses one to seven, and it's on page one zero eight two of the P Bibles. So John fourteen, starting at verse one. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. In John 6, Jesus asked his disciples, do you want to leave too? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that in Jesus Christ we do have those words of eternal life. And we pray that as we come to perhaps some of the most difficult words from Jesus in our current culture, that you would help us to see their beauty and to see that they are words that bring eternal life. And we ask for your help by your Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to begin this evening with a confession. I've not always agreed with this passage. Uh, Back at university, I was sitting in the basement of a church, listening to a talk on this very text. And the speaker says, uh, was explaining the text and saying that there was only one way to come to God, that Jesus was the only way. I listened patiently enough, but the more he went on, I could feel the anger kind of stirring inside me. And as soon as he finished speaking, I turned to the friend next to me and I said, I totally disagree with that. My friend paused. He said, okay. Try not to look too discouraged. And then he said, pointing to the text, it's kind of what Jesus says though, isn't it? I looked at it and I said, well then, I disagree with Jesus. I knew as as soon as I spoke those words that I was probably fighting a losing battle. But I doubt that my reaction was that unusual. See, I grew up in a world like most of us where I understood that religious hatred had caused suffering and intolerance around the world. And I thought it was ideas like Jesus is the only way that kind of bred that intolerance and hatred. How arrogant it is for Christians to say that there is only one way to God. I mean, what about Islam? What about Hinduism? What about Buddhism? Or what about people with no religion? There are plenty of good people, decent people, going about their lives, doing the right thing. Are they not acceptable to God? It might be a view you share yourself this evening. Perhaps you're here because there are some things that interest you about the Christian faith. There's some things that attract you to it. 
but you struggle to believe that Jesus could be the only way. It feels too exclusive. Or perhaps you are a Christian, but you don't think an awful lot about Jesus being the only way. I mean, if you were pushed, you'd probably agree with the statement. You'd probably agree the Bible teaches that. But you don't feel the urgency to tell people Jesus is the only way. I mean, you know plenty of people who are decent. And perhaps you find yourself telling yourself that perhaps it'll work itself out in the end. What I want us to do this evening is to think about this subject. The title is, I can't become a Christian because I can't see how Christ is the only way God can accept me. And I want to zoom in on those two words this evening, only way, and ask, what do they mean? Now, to answer that question, I think we need to think about three aspects, and they're all on the back of your handouts. Uh, First of all, we're going to ask, where's, where's the way to? What's the destination? And then secondly, is there actually only one route? Is that what the Bible teaches? And then thirdly, that's the kind of head bit. The third third point, I I want to do something with our hearts. I I want us to see why the journey matters at all. First of all then, we need to ask, way to where? I mean, we can't just say that Jesus is the only way without understanding the destination. I mean, are we saying that Jesus is the only way to enlightenment? Is Jesus the only way to being a decent person? Where's the way leading? Well, to answer that, we're going to look at the text that Zoe just read to us. Um, We pick things up here in Jesus' last hours. Uh, At this point, Jesus is having a meal with his friends, and there is what we call an elephant in the room. Jesus is about to die, and his friends just don't understand it. Why would Jesus go to his death? But Jesus explains to them that he's going somewhere. Have a look at where in verse 2, if you've closed your Bibles, it is on page 1082. He says this in verse 2, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Just allow for that little musical interlude. (laughs) Sorry, no one's noticing. Don't worry. (laughs) The point is that Jesus is going to prepare a place with the Father. Now, it's important to see this. This isn't a picture of Jesus as kind of room service. He's not going upstairs to set down the beds and kind of fluff up the pillows and get the rooms ready in heaven. It's not that idea. Rather, it's more like Jesus getting our key card He's preparing a place in the sense that he's making a way for us to be with the Father. You get that idea again in verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, the death of Jesus is the key card to the Father's house. Jesus' death is going to prepare a place. He's going to allow us to be with the Father. Now, if you know the rest of John, you'll know that this is a significant moment because we often assume in our culture that we're automatically in with God, that we kind of deserve to be in his house. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we be? But John shows us the brutal reality that we're not. See, we've all shut out God, and we deserve to be shut out of his presence. But Jesus says, look, I'm going to the cross to make a way 
I'm preparing the key card. I'm making a way for you to know the Father. A way for you to be accepted by the Father. A way for you to dwell with the Father. Now this is important for our point because when Jesus says he is the way, he's not saying he's the way to enlightenment. He's not saying I'm the way for you to be a good person. See, going back to my own struggle with this passage back at university, I, part of the reason I struggled, I think, so much is because I heard it to say something that it didn't. I hadn't kind of grasped the destination. See, I assumed that Christianity was fundamentally about making you a better person. So when I heard that there was only one way, I was assuming that I was uh, being told that Christianity is the only way to be good. And of course, I knew lots of people who seemed good who weren't Christian or from other religions. But notice that's not what Jesus says here. He's not saying he is the only way, he is, sorry, he is saying he is the only way to be restored to God. See, in fact, um, Christians, I think, shouldn't be surprised that non-Christians might be more decent than they are, or that other religions will share some morals with Christians. Because God has not ring-fenced his generosity just to Christians. See, the Bible teaches that God is kind to all his creation in this world, even those who reject him. Now, if you want the theological term for this, it's common grace. So I honestly know plenty of people who outdo me in kindness. And that shouldn't surprise me, because that is not what the heart of Christianity is. See, the heart of Christianity is the cross. And the cross is not about making you a better person. It's about bringing you to know the Father. It's about getting the key card so that you're able to dwell with the Father. I hope you see that. I hope you see that Jesus dies, not first and foremost, so you can self-improve, but so that you can live with God. See, his death is the way to the Father. Now, it might be for some of us here this evening that we've never seen the significance of the Christian faith. Perhaps we've heard it lots of times, but it's never stirred us personally. And maybe the reason is you haven't grasped the destination. It might be even that you've um, been at church for many years, you've sat in these seats, perhaps even your whole life, and you haven't seen what it's about. See, Jesus didn't die, first and foremost, to improve your moral performance. Jesus didn't die to enlighten you. Jesus died to bring you to God. See, his death makes a way to the Father. Now, we might accept the destination. Um, We might agree that Jesus is a way to God, but does that mean he's the only way to God? Well, that's what I want us to turn to on our second heading. And I want us to consider two points under this second one, so sub-point one, sub-point two, and there will be second sub-points. First of all, it hopefully won't be as confusing as that sounded. Um, First of all, I want us to see, is this actually what Jesus claims? And then secondly... I want us to deal with the question that probably a lot of us are asking, how does that kind of fit with our culture? And just to warn you, this second point is going to be a little bit more technical, so um, yeah, switch on or whatever. Um, First of all then, is this what Jesus claims? See, some people will argue this, and you will hear this if you go to other places and go to university and that sort of thing, that, that Jesus isn't saying here that he's the only way to come to God. Rather, what Jesus is actually saying is that he's given us a way to live. 
So the idea is, and you'll hear this, that, that Jesus has kind of blazed a trail for you. And um, as you live like him, you follow the way. But there could be lots of ways you follow him, perhaps even other religions. But I want us to see this evening that the text doesn't allow for that. Um, hopefully you can see that, but um, just to flag up a couple of reasons why that doesn't fit. Firstly, notice that Jesus says, I am the way. Now, if you know John, you'll know that when Jesus says, I am, it's because he wants people to believe in him, not just follow a pattern of his life. So when Jesus says, I am the gate in chapter 10, he's not saying, I'm a pattern to follow. He's saying, I'm the entrance. If you want to be part of my sheep, there's no back doors, there's no climbing through the window. You have to come through me. You have to believe in me. And it's the same here. He isn't just giving us an example to follow. He's saying, look, I'm the way to the Father. I'm the entrance. But there's another reason. Notice what Jesus is talking about here. See, it's all about, isn't it, preparing a place with the Father. You see that in verse 2 and verse 6. See, Jesus is not talking about how life is to be lived or how to model yourself after him. He's talking about a solution to death. See, he is the only way, the only possible way you can live after you die. Is the only way that you'll be brought to God. Now, if you've lost me, come back in. Because the point here of John 14 is that Jesus really is the only way. It can't just be that Jesus has blazed a trail. It's far too limited. Jesus is not a map to follow. He's a lifeboat to rescue. But isn't that too exclusive? I mean, it, it sounds intolerant, doesn't it? To say that there's only one way to God. Last week, um, Clive and I did some uh, training together, and uh, Clive gave me a lift. And um, Clive took a route that uh, I had no idea would get us to the destination, nor was I sure that he had any idea it would get us there either. <laughs> Sorry, I should have warned you, Clive. Um, <laughs> We started out on a different route um, to miss some traffic, uh, and then we missed a junction because we were talking, so took another road, uh, and then we decided to go straight across a junction instead of following the sign that said we needed to turn left. But, you know, we got there in the end. We got there late, but we did get there in the end. And that's how people kind of imagine religions in our culture. You know, there are many routes you could take, some more complicated than others, but it's too intolerant to say that there's only one route. Now, how do we answer that? It's a big objection, isn't it? Well, I want to say right up front that it is what Jesus says here. It is an exclusive claim. But I also want to say that every view makes an exclusive claim, even the view that appears, appears inclusive. You say to me, well, how is it exclusive to say that all paths are valid? I mean, I, I'm being inclusive, aren't I? I? I'm allowing for a number of different routes. But what have you done there? You're saying that you know God enough to know that God is indifferent to how you come to him. You're claiming to have a God's eye view of the world. You're claiming to say that you have enough to say that it doesn't ultimately matter whether you come the Jesus way or another way. See, that is to express a very particular view of God. In fact, it's a very Western, individualistic and modern view of God. 
See, as soon as you say Jesus cannot be the only way, because it's because you've decided that your view excludes all the others. It's because you've decided that God is like something else. But do you see, as soon as you say that, you've committed the very intolerance that you accuse others of. See, in fact, it's worse because it comes under the guise of tolerance. It's taking one particular view of God and using it to exclude all others. Now, if that's too quick for you, um, here's the main point. You, you cannot get away from being exclusive. See, as soon as you make any claim about God, even that there are many paths, you are being exclusive. Now, the question is, which exclusive claim is true? Which one way fits all the evidence? See, it's much better, I think, to, to recognise the exclusivity and discuss it openly and fairly rather than closing down views under the pretense of inclusivity. Now, actually, I think Christianity gives you a basis for doing that, to be able to discuss difference without closing people down, to respect other views even where you might ultimately differ. But because time is short, you'll have to come and speak to me afterwards to hear why I think that's the case. Because I want us to um, spend the remainder of our time to see really why Jesus has to be the only way. See, the, the reason why Jesus is the only way does not come down to an argument about how we interpret John chapter 14. But it's obvious why Jesus is the only way if you understand the whole sweep of Scripture. See, the Bible tells a story It's a true story, but it is a story nonetheless. It's a story that begins with humanity. And God creating that humanity. Now, when God created, it wasn't so he would have a set of slaves or a group of people because he needed something, but he wanted to share the generosity of his love. And you can see, can't you, that generosity as God created the first man and woman, how they enjoyed an abundant garden, a beautiful marriage, a world to rule. They didn't need a thing. But for some insane reason, humanity turned from its creator. They chose to rival God instead of trusting him, even though they had everything in him already. And as a fair and just God, God had to remove them from his presence. But the story did not end there. See, God promised to bless humanity again. He chose a people, and he gave those people a good law, a good land, a beautiful land to enjoy. But for some insane reason, humanity turned from their creator. They chose to rival God, even though they had everything in God already. But the story did not end there. God sent prophets to call his people back. God warned that discipline would need to come if they stayed on their their rebellious path. But they could have life if they turned back to him. But for some insane reason, humanity turned from its creator. They chose to rival God even though they had everything in God already. The prophets were rejected one by one. They were stoned, sawn in two, and silenced. So if you know the whole sweep of Scripture, you'll know that Jesus has to be the only way. Because he is the only solution that can deal with a problem that big. 
See, a lot of religions offer you enlightenment because they feel that if only you had the right knowledge, then you could finally be changed. But humanity has had enlightenment before. I mean, Adam and Eve had God's words with them in the garden, but their hearts were set against him. A lot of religions out there will offer you a moral code or a law or pillars because they feel that if you only knew the right way to live and the consequences of your actions, then you could be changed. But humanity has had a law before. Moses gave a law from God to Israel, but their hearts were set against him. See, the problem is far deeper, isn't it? See, you know that deep down, there are things that you do that just don't make sense. See, even though when you know what the right thing is to do, there's something in you that rises up and wants to do the opposite. I mean, if you don't believe me, ask yourself how easy is it to apologise, even when you know apologising is the right thing to do. See, the Bible shows us we need a solution that is far greater than the law or more fundamental than a path to enlightenment. We need a saviour. And that's what Jesus is. See, that same God who endured his people's rejection time and time and time again became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And when, it did, when he did, it seemed like the same story was repeating itself again for some insane reason. When Jesus came, humanity turned from its creator and they chose to rival God and they crucified him. But in dying, Jesus changed that story forever. See, his death dealt with the judgment for our constant rebellion, so it would hang over us no more. In being raised, Jesus changed that story forever. His resurrection killed death so that we can live with God even though we die. See, do you see the point? That is why Jesus has to be the only way. Because only God himself could have done that. See, only the creator himself could forgive sin, the sin against him. Only the creator could bring life back to people who die. See, I think you'll find that no other religion makes that sort of claim. Because the problem is understood as, as something that we can fix by ourselves. But Jesus says, look, you have got a problem that you cannot fix on your own. But I've done it for you. I am the way. See, the biggest surprise in John 14 is not that Jesus claims to be the only way, but that there is a way at all. That Jesus loved us enough to come, to die, and prepare a place for people like you and me. See, shortly after my slightly aggressive moment in the church basement, I saw this. I understood that I was in a hole that I couldn't dig myself out of. But fortunately, God opened my eyes. He enabled me to go from denying Jesus as the only way to rejoicing that there is a way at all. And Jesus invites you as well to come to the Father and to live, to dwell in the Father's house.
for eternity. Question is, will you take the route? And for those of us who have already, Jesus invites the world. He invites your friends. He invites your colleagues, your family, all those you're tempted to say about, look, they're pretty decent. I'm sure it'll be okay in the end. Jesus reminds you this evening that there really is only one way to the Father, and he is it. And the question is, will we share the route? Let's pray. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Our gracious Heavenly Father, how we praise you for this truth. Forgive us, Father, for when we've struggled with it, when we've rejected it, when we've lost boldness over it. Thank you, Father, that there is a way back to you through our Lord and Saviour. Please deepen our conviction of that truth and cause us to embrace it if we haven't and to declare it if we have. And we ask through Jesus Christ. Amen.